everyone, it's Sophia and welcome to my new podcast called State of Minds by Sophia. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh my gosh. In relation to your favourite affirmation. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Trisha. Hi guys, this is Trisha. And if you're wondering why I'm hosting this episode, it's because we want to find out more about the host herself. So... <laughs> Today we'll be asking my sister some questions so you can get to know her a bit better. Before we get into law, tell us a bit about yourself. So I'm Sophia, I'm 21 years old. I'm from the Philippines, but I live in the UK and I'm a third year law student. Since we're both Filipino, tell us your favourite Filipino dish. I've got quite a few, so my favourite one is arroz caldo, which is sticky rice. Um, and chicken and egg boiled egg and then there's like ginger and then you can season it with like lemon pepper it's just such a go-to comfort food and then i obviously like sinigang i like squid adobo all types of adobo but like squid's my favorite and then sisig which is like fried pork egg and onions also she apart from filipino food she just loves to cook so what's your like other go-to meals or baking as well because you do a lot of baking actually so i actually like to experiment a lot i like trying to cook things from different cuisines and i like challenging myself so if i haven't done that recipe i'll i'll do it i just like challenging myself and it always pays off because wow they're really delicious thank you and then speaking of other favorite things what's your favorite tv series at the moment right so firstly I never really watch TV series because I'd always get so bored, like just sitting there and, you know, like concentrating for ages because I have the shortest attention span when it comes to things like that. But because of lockdown and everything, I've learned to, to love TV series. So I've been watching a lot. I've watched Money Heist, which is really good. Uh, Killing Eve, that was like last year. Dr. Foster, I think I watched years ago the series called you there's so many series that i've watched but i particularly like the ones on bbc so like the police dramas and crime mm. dramas and stuff like that but in terms of films i think my favorite genre is psychological thriller because it's not horror but oh i love horror yeah but i don't i don't like horror like i could never watch horror on my own but um i just like being on the edge of your seat but not to the point where you can't look like, I won't get a nightmare after it, basically, and it makes you think it's really deep. To be honest, like, I think the first ever horror series that I watched was with my flatmates called Haunting of Bly Manor and Haunting of Hill House. That was actually so scary, but it was such a good storyline, so I had to keep watching, and I don't know how, but I think for a good month, I was getting nightmares. And then, going away from film and TV, what's your music that you really love? Or, like, oh, a song that you like at the minute? Like, my my playlist is really mixed, so we've got throwbacks from... Oh, I don't even know. Like, nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, like, nostalgic oh, stuff. The and then I have, like, a Filipino playlist, I have an R&B playlist, I have a pop playlist. But, to be honest, I think if I were to pinpoint my music taste, it would be R&B slash pop. So mm. I like artists like Ella May, Mahalia, Kehlani, Kiana Lede, Giveon, Janae, Pink Sweats, and then pop. My favourite band is Lainey. 
And my favourite song is Sunday Morning by Maroon 5. I can literally play that and never get bored of it. And music links in a lot with fashion um, because it's, you know, all creative, creatives working together. So I know you're into your fashion a lot. So what? how would you describe your fashion style? I don't know when, like, what period in my life I was into, you know, like wearing really tight clothing, skinny jeans, like really tight crop tops and so now i think it's streetwear kind of mm. i don't know I don't... honestly everyone tells me like they'll always always mention like oh your sister's got such fa- good fashion sense good well, fashion and it's like i know <laughs> well I, I don't i really don't i like now i just i just wear comfy you know like joggers hoodies baggy things because i can't be honest like just like wearing tight things i just want to be comfortable you know so i like mm. streetwear fashion yeah that's my that's my fashion style well, she wants to be comfy but still be stylish yeah stylish but comfortable where would you like to travel i've been to some places in europe my top top one on my bucket list is switzerland so i want to visit the mountains and like the scenery there is so nice and like the big slide and then italy and iceland and obviously Philippines because I miss back home and the last time we went back home was a few years ago so obviously I want to go back again. And this one's a bit of a different question but if you had a billboard what would your billboard be or what would you put on it? Well obviously aside from me um, <laughs> I would put if it was a lot of billboards in the UK I would want Filipino food to be on there because it needs to be recognised because it's really not in in the uk that that much mm. it needs to be exposed to people because like not not to not to be biased but i think it is the best cuisine uh it should be more recognized and be a household name and next question is on memory obviously memories um are very important and we should cherish them so what's your favorite memory so i think my favorite memory is my childhood in the philippines and being surrounded by my grandparents, my cousins, and I was lucky enough to grow up and have that. I'm very grateful that they brought me up uh, when my parents moved to the UK and I was able to experience that culture in the Philippines before being exposed to a new culture in the UK. So that is my favourite memory and, you know, just like being a kid with no responsibilities and just a carefree life surrounded by family friends what do you think is the biggest culture shock that you have experienced so obviously there's differences in in cultures between being in the philippines and then moving to the uk so in the philippines one of the first things i noticed was in the uk not everyone is your friend whereas in the philippines you you literally walk down the street and everyone says hi to you they're really friendly and welcoming like the uk is welcoming as well but they're not on that level um and you sort of know everyone's business in the philippines so if you walk down the streets in the uk it's very unlikely that someone will go oh hi sophia how are you like it's not that and also when i i think it was like my first week in primary school i brought in ulam uh, as my packed lunch, ulam is basically, in literal terms, it means dish, but it's it's what you have with rice. So I bought in ulam and rice, 
as my packed lunch and I was sat on this table during lunchtime and I got my lunch lunch box out and then obviously it was all um, I think it was maybe a doorbell or something like that and then this girl across from me was like oh what, like just giving me looks like saying oh what's that they just weren't very very nice looks so I just felt really out of place and sort of like not welcome because at the end of the day it was food it was Filipino food it wasn't disgusting it just they weren't used to it so that was a big culture shock like little things like going to lunch and sort of like being judged by your peers and what you eat so after that I kind of I was so insecure at what I brought to lunch that I think I asked my parents like oh can I go on pack lunch can you make me sandwiches or can I go on dinners so yeah that was one other culture shock and another thing is obviously like racism as well so like you're visually different to your peers so I grew up in an area where I didn't have any Filipino friends it was literally me and my sister the only Filipinos in primary school so everyone else wasn't like from a different race so yeah it was it was that like physical features being picked on that was one of the culture shocks that just because that you look different automatically or you think different or you are different when in fact I just didn't know at that time that it was like racism because I thought it was just because I didn't look like them so there was something wrong with me or something like that. I think it's sad as well because touching on the lunchbox thing like yes it's a small thing but it's kind of sad because we, we kind of feel ashamed of what we bring for our home home country meals and stuff and then we can we we're kind of making our parents feel ashamed about the culture as well by saying oh can you not pack this and this and yeah so it's not appreciating that element of our culture when in mm. all fact I was so lucky and having that that packed lunch that day I was so lucky than everyone else because I had like rice and freshly mm. prepared Filipino a Filipino dish no one no one had that but me and it was really a nice gesture from your parents to give you that for food and yeah mm. it's like a sad thing to look back on because then you kind of look at how you're making your parents feel saying oh don't pack me that lunch just because you know it's different but actually it's like way better than some foods like the amount of flavour there is and it's not just simple sandwich yeah. so I think anyone like you should just be happy with what you've got like yeah maybe it might be different but it tastes good and you should just be proud of it so and it's bringing something from back home so I was literally five at that time and I wasn't accustomed to the British like cuisine if you like so obviously that was the only thing I could bring back home apart from me obviously but like I couldn't bring back my friends from the Philippines I couldn't bring back my extended family that was the only thing that sort of connected me back home the food that I ate and obviously I still eat Filipino food but yeah I just I shouldn't have requested for sandwiches but at the same time it was back then and obviously we are in lockdown right now so the third one out of yeah so how many more what's your experiences with lockdown not just this one like the first second one how you've been feeling what you've been up to so to be honest I've lost track I think we're on the third one now so the first one was in March March 2020 2020 wow uh that was it seemed like ages ago mm-hmm. but it was literally only last year not even a year ago actually but I was at uni and 
when I first heard of like coronavirus, I was like, oh no, it'll, it'll be fine, it'll last, it only lasts like two weeks, three weeks max. We'll, we'll lock down, we'll quarantine at uni and then after three weeks it'll be fine, it'll be all normal. But then it all of a sudden stopped, so obviously we had to go home from March to whenever, I think it was like August since they eased it to the next one. But the first lockdown, it was so weird. Like, obviously, it was uncertain as to what will happen to the world. And I was in, yeah, I was grateful in the time that I got to spend with my family and also the time I spent with myself and getting getting to a point where I liked my own company, if that makes sense. So I learned how to spend time with myself and you know, take things slow and appreciate like the little things in life. In the first lockdown, it was more of adjusting to this so-called new normal. The first one, obviously, it had we had more freedom than this one because we were allowed to go out in like groups of, I think, six it was. Um, but the first one, it was more sort of like trying to get into a routine and like adjusting. And that lockdown, I actually tried to take up new skills like baking cooking worked out more yeah it was it's like a new new way of like learning about like everything like life like i think we all started to reflect more and like appreciate life yeah because yeah we were stuck inside but you gotta look at like the world around you yeah so like slow down a bit and like start living obviously like in lockdown you can't really do whatever you wanted to do but you had that time to sort of develop yourself and appreciate everyone else in your life so the second lockdown it happened whilst i was at uni um the first term of my last year so it was in i think it was in october when he announced it. i completely mm. forgot I think um, yeah so i was at uni with my flatmates it was it was great like spending time with them and being with them and making lockdown bearable but obviously it was it took a toll on mental health and motivation and sort of like getting fed up of when this will end uh, like can this end and i thought that that was going to be the final lockdown before christmas but then obviously we're here now in the third lockdown and being being at home spending time with family spending time with myself more as well i think this is now the new normal like i've accepted that this is the new normal for now anyway and it's learning to sort of i think i have i have adjusted to the new normal and i've gotten into a routine if you like and trying to not be bored and keep my motivation up by doing new things and cooking baking working out etc just trying to keep myself busy basically so it's good to be busy in lockdown rather than sort of like dwelling on the fact that oh like it should have been solved in march but we can't do anything right now so yeah i've just been trying to be as busy as i can okay so now let's go on to law and find more about her thoughts and opinions on law and like her experiences with law as a degree and university in general so so the first question is what are the things that you wish you knew about start uh, before starting law so i did law at a level and the jump from a level to uni is very different uni is a different ball game you are literally on your own not when you need help but in terms of structuring 
you know, how to plan your day, how to plan uh, what you're going to study, your revision, how you write essays, you are on your own. So at A level, you have a teacher who will tell you, this is what you need to revise, these are the elements that you need to put in your revision, this is how you complete this essay, this is what you include in that essay, and they will, you know, chase you up if you're not on track with homework or, or you know, you're falling behind. But with uni, you are your own teacher in a sense. So you have to teach yourself if you don't get that concept in the lecture, you have to do the extra reading. It is up to you and your initiative uh, to, be, to be on track. And also at uni, you have to reference in referencing Law referencing is hard, so we use a scholar, and that is oh, it's so it's very very hard. Um, and obviously A level, you don't need to reference. Like obviously you have to put cases in your answer, but with uni, you have to reference everything that you've read upon that isn't your idea. Uh, yeah, it's very hard. And going to uni to do law, I knew there was going to be reading, but I didn't realise how extensive it was. I thought, okay, for one module, it'll be this amount of pages. That week, for the other module, it'll be this amount of pages. For the next week, no. Basically, you have modules, so like the different modules you have, uh, the seminar preps, and there's f- uh, there's um, essential reading, and then further reading, and then you've got to keep up with the lectures itself. So that adds up, so what, like 40 hours a week spent on just independent study, it's a lot, but it's okay to fall back and it's okay to not be on top of everything because at the end of the day, you know, you're not a robot, you're a human, it's physically impossible to be on top of everything, even like if you try your hardest, you know, that's things I wish I knew going into law and what advice would you give to students not just in law but like in general for people starting university what advice would you give to people wanting to pursue uh, further education going into university so firstly I think you have to find out what your passion is and why you're applying to uni in the first place so if you don't have a passion and into drive yeah if if you don't have a passion or drive everything you're doing at uni will seem like hard work whereas if you do have a passion it's like everything won't seem like hard work you know you, you will be able to find that motivation when you need to find that motivation because you'll like what you're doing and it'll just seem seem like um not an easy ride but some you will enjoy it basically if you have a passion so you have to enjoy what you want to do at uni and everything else will explain itself mm. and fall into place basically that's what i'll say that's my advice yeah i agree with that because um i mean i'm in my first year for uni but i experienced a bit of uni doing foundation art and design and I totally agree like you have to enjoy it because it's a lot of work it's a lot of time you have to put in so if you enjoy it if you've got a passion um even if it's a bit but you know you just want to pursue it do a degree I guess like 
that's what your passion is so go for it because if you enjoy it if if you enjoy it you'll work better at it and all the late nights or like time you put into it it'll just pay off and you'll be proud of yourself in the future yeah it's a reward when you put all that hard work into something uh, you're passionate about it's very rewarding and it will spur you on to you know keep going and keep keep having a go at what you're doing you know like trying to be better every day and going into law what's like some myths that people think are true about law but you've experienced law now so yeah oh well the first one is whenever someone asks me oh what do you do like what's your degree I'm like oh I do law and then they're like oh my gosh defend me in court like help (laughs) me out and I'm just like no no I'm not helping you out because you asked me (laughs) um that's one because firstly it's not in it's not like America where an attorney is someone who advocates for you in court and in the office in the UK a lawyer can either be a barrister or a solicitor now I want to be a solicitor so it's more you know office work and working behind the scenes in a way and like making the client's case for them doing the research uh forming a relationship with the clients and you you do get solicitor advocates who do advocate in smaller courts you know for minor matters but the journey to being a solicitor or a barrister is very very long so firstly you don't have to do a law degree to become any one of them you can have a degree in geography or history and then you can do a conversion course called the GDL or if you have done the LLB degree uh, you have to attain a training contract to become a qualified solicitor so once you've done a degree in law or any other subject you have to complete the legal practice course which is the final vocational stage in uh, becoming a practicing solicitor so it's basically taking what you know from the theoretical side of your LLB degree or any degree and sort of uh, applying that to a practical setting and how that applies to the practicalities of becoming a solicitor so learning what you know from the theory and being and having a practical element to it and then that's not also that's an element of becoming a solicitor and then you have to attain a training contract and that's like two years work experience as a trainee solicitor in a firm and you have to complete six seats uh, in order to become a qualified solicitor and obviously it's a very competitive field it's not as straightforward as I just explained you know people who don't attain a training contract in third year will take a year out uh, get some work experience save up to do the LPC and then do the LPC and then complete a master's alongside it or you know they can complete a master's and an LP with alongside the LPC after their degree or you know people can work and become a paralegal and then try and work up in getting that training contract and personally for me I chose to do the master's alongside the LPC straight after my LLB degree and then hopefully after I graduate from my master's and complete the LPC 
I can attain a training contract and then after the two years I can become a qualified solicitor and so it's a very competitive field as I said but nothing in life's ever easy so it's not it's not like once I finish my LLB degree I'll automatically be able to save you and fight for you in court because that's not what happens you know it's not like suits or how to get away with murder because I mean it's just dramatized yeah it's dramatized and it's really not you know they don't show you the amount of work that you have to put into it and the amount of hours uh, it takes for us to to complete homeworks and it's very it's a very long process even though you've not started the your master's degree, do you recommend people, once they've finished the, the bachelor's, to do a master's? Well, I think it really depends on the person. You know, different people want to pursue different things after the end of university. You know, you don't really need to do a master's, but if you really want to and you want the extra qualification and to your name then fair enough or you know, if you if you just want to be a student still then go for it you know everyone's on their own pathway and it's really up to you it's down to you so yeah just go for it if you want to I mean it's hard work you have to you know complete master's modules and then do a dissertation but if you want to put yourself through that process and gain that qualification then why not go for it Obviously, like, I'm your sister, so I, I, I know and I can see the passion and drive she has for law. But for people out there, you can just hear her passion and drive for <laughs> law. And so where did this passion come from? So who are your inspirations? What are you inspired by? Like, how did you get into law? You already asked me that in the first <laughs> question. <laughs> okay. So my first source of inspiration is obviously my parents. I would literally not be here if it weren't for them. They have sacrificed a lot for myself and my sister in everything, you know, they've ever so done much. for us. So, so right right now because they sacrificed a lot, we're reaping the benefits and we have this life because of them. So I'm very grateful for that and just the amount of hard work that they put into everything that they do and everything is for us and they do everything for us and provide everything for us. So they are my inspirations in life because I see that you can come from a humble background and you can still make it and you can if you have that hard work and drive and determination to achieve what you want and they've done that and it's just really inspiring to see that they came from humble beginnings in the Philippines and then they're here now and yeah we just wouldn't be here without them (laughs) and then I don't really have any sort of celebrities if you like as inspirations but the the person who comes to mind if if I were to like label this person as a celebrity she's an activist in my eyes and just such great lady is Malala so her work and activism in trying to get equal rights for women to go into education and her journey and all the achievements that she's achieved and her drive and determination is very admirable and the fact that she's I think she's like a year older than me 
you know, her life's such an inspiration and to think that she's using her voice to get women equal rights in education is very inspirational. And thirdly, like, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I'm just quite confident in saying this, but I think like myself is an inspiration and just looking at the fact that sometimes, you know, I doubt myself and I'm my biggest... You are your worst enemy. Yeah, worst enemy in a sense because I doubt myself and sometimes I think oh, I can't do this like I'm not good enough for this but then looking at the times where I've doubted myself so much and then looking to where I am now I think it's very inspiring to see the journey that I've had as a woman and all the struggles that I faced and thought I'd never come back from it's inspiring because I look at what I've been through and like the strength that I had in overcoming everything which came my way so that's very inspiring to me so yeah I'm my inspiration I think as well it's touching on you as your own inspiration because you can't be hard on yourself I know I mean I do that as well but like you know you're so tough on yourself and like I think you are your worst enemy because you say, oh, because I've done this, but this went wrong, and then you push yourself too much, but I think you should look at yourself and be proud of who you are and yeah. how far you've become. So I think it's fine to call yourself an inspiration because you should see yourself as an inspiration. You should be proud and be very confident in yourself, which I have learned a lot from my sister, actually, because she gives me a lot of advice on confidence and self-love, so mm, it's very yeah. important. I didn't force her to say that, by the way. But she's just... <laughs> no, she <didn't>. she's just... <laughs> She's just said that off the bat, so yeah, I didn't force her to say that, so thank you for that. It's <laughs> very nice. Obviously, in law and just any degree that you go into, um, it's not always going to be a positive and easy ride, easy journey. So what are some of your setbacks that have happened in law or just in life in general? So one of my biggest setbacks is sometimes I put in a lot of work into some of my courseworks, but I don't get the grade that I wanted to. And it really sets me back because, you know, if if you if you know in yourself that you did everything that you could and you put a hundred percent into that coursework and you started so early and you did all the reading and the research was there and you proofread it a lot and made sure every reference was to par, then getting a grade which you didn't really agree with I it, it, it like it it's very hard because obviously like you put in a lot of work and then for your efforts to not reciprocate that grade it, yeah it's very hard and like unmotivating in a way and also for applications for training contracts or work experience or vacation schemes I got a lot of rejections or sometimes they wouldn't even get back to me and you know applications take ages they take so long so getting a rejection and or even not even or even not even um not even getting an email saying uh I'm sorry but we couldn't accept you that's really 
unmotivating and quite hurtful because you put in so much effort into that application and for them to not even acknowledge your effort and send you a curtsy email saying we couldn't accept you this time but thank you for our application you know it's yeah it's very hard to to see that also with the rejection part I think yeah it is like tough to for people to reject you and it is hurtful but I think it's how you come over that yeah as definitely well. yeah so like even if there's like linking in with mistakes as well like you learn from mistakes so it's fine to have these setbacks because you can look back and that's just like you growing as a person yeah so. it's like a, a lesson in mm. your journey and if if you get rejected to a place then it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you it's because that opportunity wasn't meant for you so it's not that uh you're doing something wrong it's because that place isn't meant for you and it's fine because mm. when another one another door closes another one opens or whatever they say yeah like I definitely agree with the phrase everything happens for a reason because it yeah, does it does so if something goes wrong or something doesn't go the way you wanted it to just everything happens for a reason so just learn from it and grow for it grow, grow from it and then soon it will you know it'll pay off like yeah, all your hard work will pay off and you'll be accepted into somewhere that wants you I think that's what I'll learn along the way they don't if they don't sort of like accept me then it's fine I can I'll take it on the chin and find somewhere else so how do you find the motivation um when you feel like you're going to give up so how do you overcome these setbacks so at uni and at home I have a post-it note above my desk and it says you can and that's my favorite affirmation because whenever I'm working and I doubt myself and my abilities and sort of like doubt whether I can complete the task I look at the post-it note and then I read it in my head and then that's constantly in my head and then I think to myself yeah I can I can do this and then it gives me that sort of spur on and motivation to carry on doing what I'm doing yeah actually that's really true because I there literally puts like yeah she like puts sticky notes like every like she had this period where she put sticky notes everywhere in the house like with <laughs> motivational quotes and everything and then literally in the bathroom I'd see oh you can do this you've got this like <laughs> in the mirror when I'm brushing my teeth so I mean even though it was really random I think it was like it was like a joyful thing to see like, yeah I mean yeah like for affirmations it's not like you get out of bed and then you you stretch and then you go oh my god I can you know like just like when you wake up and then you don't have to do that I think that's my way of doing it so when I read something like for example if I'm reading a textbook I read it in a voice it doesn't have to be my own voice I just read it in a voice I don't know why um so yeah like when I read an affirmation I just like read it in my in a voice and then that voice is going in my head and I'm like yes yes I can and that that gives me the motivation yeah it's just my way of like giving myself motivation I guess okay <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait wait oh my gosh wait, wait. in relation to your favorite affirmation oh my gosh <laughs> Trisha 
in relation to your favourite affirmation, what's your favourite? Trisha, what the In addition to your favourite affirmation, what's um, your favourite quote at the moment? So on my phone, I have a quote on a widget, which is on, on an iPhone, like it's a, a new update. But basically, it says, be addicted to bettering yourself. So every day, I always want to be a better version than yesterday. So it could be I achieve something today and then tomorrow I achieve something again or like, I do something to develop my passion or me as a person or, you know, try and make someone happy that day. And I think that's what it means to me. Like, be addicted to bettering yourself. So if I'm a better individual, I can be a better friend, sister, daughter to everyone else. So that's my favourite quote. And it's worked. She hasn't been a better sister. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Again, I didn't force her to say that. She's just saying it. She did. If you weren't doing law, what are your other dreams or goals in life? Or what would you want to do? I would either be in graphic design at uni because I love designing things digitally. Um, that's why I sort of signed up to be like social media. This is for various societies. Or I would be doing English because I really like writing essays um or either if i weren't at uni i'd probably be a fashion stylist because i do love fashion and i probably want to become a model oh no way <laughs> because i do like taking pictures and i think pictures are very important because like today those are, are what's left of uh, memories so if you take a picture, a picture like a picture speaks a thousand words basically like pictures so I want to volunteer in the Philippines, especially in an orphanage, just to help children there um, and be part of the foundations into their future. And with time management, how do you manage time? You have to love the journey as much as you love the outcome. So what I mean by that is you have to put in the hard work, you have to put in the hours behind trying to get there, because not everything's going to be handed over to you. Part of that is being self-disciplined. So you have to have that discipline in saying, okay, now I've got to work, now I've got to do this task. So you have to prioritise your priorities. So you could basically have a study session where you say, okay, I'm going to study for an hour. An hour is nothing out of my day. And after that hour... I'm one step closer to finishing the task that I wanted to do for that day. And you can have like an hour and then 10 minutes break and then get back to it again. Or you can have 30 minutes studying and then you can have 10 minutes break and then get back to it. So, you know, break up the study session and try not to overwork yourself. Because if you overwork yourself, then you'll lose that motivation and then you'll slack and procrastinate. And it's really, really important to have them breaks because you're human, you're not a robot, you can't work eight hours every day. That's just impossible. And you'll burn out as well. Also, you have to add movement into your day. So it could be taking a walk, doing some exercise, doing yoga, anything really, just to get your mind off of the stresses of your responsibilities. And it can also be doing something 
like cooking, baking, going downstairs for 10 minutes, spending time with your family. Yeah, it could just be doing something else other than working. I think it's also important because like, I know I've had trouble with working too much and then it's getting into your head and it's it's going to make you like kind of go a bit crazy. Like it's, it's just really bad on you. So you definitely need to take time for yourself to relax and spend time with because like right now I'm with my family so we've been spending a lot of college time with them so just take take a step back take a break like, yeah work hard and work a lot but resting is important because it'll be good for you mentally as well and you'll feel a lot better with that and I think also you can't push yourself to the limit so if your body's telling you that I'm really tired then listen to your body because you have to care for your body you have to love your body and you can't ignore it because then you'll burn burn out and just feel too too burdened with everything. So what's your favourite area in law? So I have two. I like immigration and family. Immigration because I like knowing and learning about the laws which govern the whole process of immigration and I like how it can help people sort of get citizenship into the country that they want to go into and then therefore they can get the opportunities as everyone else in that country and I like family because it's an interesting area it's complex however uh, yes yes it's emotional in some senses but I like learning about how different laws affect family life and just areas to do with family and it's very interesting I think I like them too the most because it involves people and working with people and developing that relationship with them and I think those are the areas I want to work in when I'm a practicing solicitor because everyone else, everyone has a different story and I do find that interesting. But aside from that, I'm very interested in intellectual property law because I'm interested in how sort of like products have patents and music and copyright and contracts and things like that because I am very interested in music and sort of intangible items but the process of making them like copyrighted and the process behind that. What's some advice you would tell your younger self? An advice I'd give to my younger self is to not settle for anything less and the hard times are temporary and it'll all be okay in the end so don't doubt yourself because you're destined to get to where you are and you're worthy of everything that you will achieve in life and don't ever doubt yourself and don't ever let people doubt your abilities and if you believe in yourself then that's enough you are enough before we end this podcast what is your takeaway for this whole episode and what is your advice for the people listening So I just want people listening to know that life isn't easy, but if it was, then the journey wouldn't matter. But because it's hard, the journey tests you to show you what kind of person you're capable of being and believe in yourself along the way. It won't be easy. There will be downfalls, but it's about how you come back up from them and what you learn along the way and just love the process as much as you'll love the destination because everything you do right now is paying off and I hope that you know that you matter and you are a blessing to someone's life and they're lucky to have you. 
So we have come to the end of this episode and I just want to say thanks to my sister for making me, I guess, the host for this episode today. I've enjoyed it. It's been really fun and interesting. So thanks guys for listening. And over to my sister. (laughs) Well, I want to say thank you to my sister for... You're welcome. (laughs) For asking me questions because, I mean, I don't really want to talk just on my own, but... Yeah, I really appreciate the time that she's put it's all right. into her day and the questions that she's uh, planned to ask me. And yeah, thanks, Trisha. And thanks, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.